0: Morning. Good morning. So, if you haven't been here, we are in our third week of a series we're calling Home Run Life. Um, basically, the gist is this. We ask ourselves, are we really getting everything we want out of life? When you look at your life, are you happy with where you're at? Are you, are you living that abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10? And, and we kind of said, okay, so if, if, if this is our goal, what does that actually look like? And a lot of us, we would say it's the results, right? This is third base. This is the competence. This is landing that dream job, getting that dream house, having the dream marriage. This is the, the results side that we really, I think, has dominated the successful home run life. But we, when we actually dive down e- deep, we realize that, you know, it's not necessarily the results that are the home run life if you don't have anybody to share them with. And that, took a, and that takes us to this week, which is community and winning with others. But, but last week we talked about character, because what are all the friends that you have and all the success that you have if you wake up in the morning and you can't stand the person in the mirror? And so last week we talked about inter- integrity and how we win within. But all of this, none of it happens if we don't start at home. And not only starting at home by connecting with God, but finishing at home and having a life that's sig- with significance, which is connecting others to God. And so in order to, to live the full life, in order to live the home run life that we, we all desire and dream of, you can't have one base or two bases. You can't have part of it, but you've got to have all of it. And that when we actually, when we take a second, and we look at our life, you say, you know what? I, I am winning at first base, or I am winning at third base, but you know what? I really, I'm not winning at second, or I'm not winning at home. And there's places in our lives where we can see gaps, where we see holes. where We say, you know what, I am longing for more. How many of us have been in a place where we've said there has to be more And so this whole series is journeying around the bases and seeing how God grows us up spiritually. And it's not just the pattern of the world, but the pattern of God and how he wants us to live that abundant life. And how if we are going to have that more that we long for, it requires all of the bases. And so last week we we talked about kind of getting from home to first base and how that's the hardest distance in baseball. And, And just like that, it's kind of the hardest distance in life. But this week we're talking about second base and covering this next 90 feet. And, and in baseball, when you get to second base, it's called getting into scoring position, right? Like if somebody is on second base with one hit, they can score. And a lot of times you'll see things like uh, a sacrifice uh, bunt or a sacrifice fly to try to advance people from second base. Because this is the place where you can score. And so this... And I think when we're looking at life, it's the same way. I mean, how do you really have success if you don't have people that can go with you? The, the quote we had on the, on the screens this morning is an old African proverb. It says, to go fast, go alone, right? But if you want to go far, go together. So, so honestly, you can't reach third without, have people, without having people go with you. And, and you can't connect people to God If you're all alone, so the rest of the bases all rest on this community, on this winning with others. And so today, our our whole goal is to say, you know what? How do we win with others? How do we have community? And the truth is, we just got out of a, a whole series on relationships. And if you've been a part of Revive, you know that this is kind of our bread and butter. The very first series we did as a church was called How to Neighbor. And there's been messages throughout every series that revolve around relationship. Because people don't want to have religion shoved down their throat. People don't want to have rules and regulations and uh, something that forced the way that they have to live. People want community. People want to know that they are loved. Everything we do as a church revolves around the relationships that we build. And this whole base today is looking at how we do that. I have two questions I kind of want to answer. The first one is why is community important, right? Why, why is it essential that we have a community? And the second is how do we achieve that community, right? So, so the first one, I just want to kind of unpack um, why we need community. Really, it can be boiled down to two words. We Drift. We drift. Think about it. Think about the good things that you that we, we strive for in life. Think about the goals that we want to to lose those twenty pounds, or to make that certain amount of money, or to have that certain relationship. God just dimmed the lights for us, you know, I was <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but we sit. <laughs> we set these goals, but we have a tendency to drift away from them. Somebody somebody once said it like this, you're never stagnant in life. You're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards. And I can see that because I see that if we are approaching the things we want to achieve, if we're approaching the things we want to live, the the integrity that we talked about last week, if we're approaching this home-run life, we naturally drift away from it. Whenever I think about this word drift, it always takes me back to um, one of the probably most painful things that I ever watched happen, right? Uh, not, not like physical pain, but deep emotional pain. We're on this camping trip, right? And there, there's a group of us and we're, we're kayaking down this river. And when we, we kayak down the river and we just find a spot and when we find that spot, we set up camp, but we take all of our supplies with us, right? So we, we have our tents, we have our sleeping bags, we've got all of our food, all of that is with us. And normally you would carry that on your back on a hiking trip. But since we're going down a river, we needed somewhere to put it. So we had this bright idea to bring along a canoe. So we've got several kayaks and one canoe. And the canoe is the holy grail. It's holding everything important. Our dry clothes, our dry sleeping bags, our tents, our food, it's all in the canoe. And we had the bright idea to put the one of us that is the biggest adrenaline junkie, the, n- the biggest need for thrill in the canoe. Bad idea. So we're day one. Like right, we just put into the river and we're flowing down the river. And, you know, when you're on the kayaks, it's a lot of fun. You kind of almost aim for the rapids because you kind of get thrown around a little bit. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, you hit that white water and you start going really quick. But when you're in a canoe, you really want to avoid the rapids. And so we're, we're going down the river. We haven't been in it very long. We're enjoying our day. It's been a lot of fun. And then the canoe kind of gets out in front of us, and we're all like, slow down, slow down. And there's some white water coming up, and there's kind of a, kind of a clear path through it. And so we're like, okay, he's going to take that path. And he's going, and you know what? He starts to take that path. And before you know it, that canoe starts to kind of drift a little bit. And next thing you know, he gets way too close to the white water, and it like it sucks him in, and it takes the canoe, takes it around, and it actually pins it sideways against a rock. And when that canoe pins sideways against a rock, the water is still rushing down and eventually backs up to the canoe and starts flowing over the top. And before you know it, that canoe actually fills up with water and just sinks down and sits down on the bottom. right? And it's not real deep, but it sinks down far enough that all of the dry stuff floats and there goes our tents our clothes and our food drifting away from us down the river we are panicking one guy jumps out of his kayak and starts swimming. I don't know why, because it's much slower than being in the kayak. But it's just this frantic mode, get the food. Like, we don't even care about the other stuff. Get the food. And so we're all, we're peddle, paddling as fast as we can. We're, one guy's swimming. Another guy's, like, running and jumping on the edge of the water. We're doing everything we can. We, we're able to get the bags and everything. And we grab. They grab it and put it on the... The kayaks and the food is just floating away from us. It is terrifying. I'm crying, not really, but I'm crying on the inside because there goes our food, and that's my favorite part, right? So (laughs) eventually we get to this, we get the cooler, right? And the cooler has filled up with water, and all the the dry food is soggy and wet, and it sets us up for a very hungry rest of the weekend, right? But how typical is that of us? that when we're going through life and we're not concentrating and looking for the clear path, that we drift towards the rocks. We drift towards the evil things. It says that sin is deceitful. In, In Romans, we've talked about this scripture before, but Paul says this in Romans. He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. He's saying that here is Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. This is a guy that, that is as good a Christian as you can be. And he says, I do the things I don't want to do. I know they're evil. I know they're sinful. But because we naturally drift towards the rocks, sin finds its way to creep into our life. So how do we avoid that sin? We learned a lot from that experience on the river. In fact, from there on out, every time we got to white water, you know what we did? We took the canoe, and we surrounded it with kayaks. And as we went through the rough water, as the canoe started to drift one way, whoever was on that side would push it back using their paddle or their kayak. And as a community, as a group, we traveled through the tough times. We made it through the hard times where it seems like the pool of the river is dragging us away from the home run life. And we pull together and we make it through the drift. Why do we need community? Because we need people to get us through those hard times. We talked about it last week, that when when sin comes in, it can be persistent. It can be every day, every minute, every hour, not letting go, never stopping, no no matter how good of a Christian you are or how long you're a Christian, it's like it's always there. But when we have people around us who are always there with us, they keep us on track. They keep us from from drifting. We have to have community to pull us together to keep us from being deceived by sin. And and not only, it's not just community. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians. I'll have this one on the screen. But this is is not just any community. Because we can surround ourselves with people that pull us into the rapids. We can surround ourselves with people that bring us into sin. It's surrounding ourselves with the right people. And in this passage in Ephesians, Paul is talking about the church. He's talking about the church as a body and as the the people who are actually, not the building, but the people who are in the building that make up the church. I'm going to start with verse 18 and read through 22, and this is what it says. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Why do we need to be in community? Paul is saying that inside of the church, inside of god's community the whole trinity is involved did you did you hear that when i was reading it talks about jesus talks about god the father and it talks about the spirit god uses his church god uses his community his people to intervene in our lives how many of us have been to a place in life where we needed a miracle how many of us have been to a place in life where we just that we can't do it on our own our, by ourselves anymore? We need God to be present. We need God to intervene. Guess how God intervenes? He uses His people to accomplish His work. Paul later talks about about the church being a body. how we all have individual gifts. That means you have a purpose and that God will use you inside of his church, inside of his community, to fulfill the need in someone else's life. And God will use the people in his community to fill a need in your life. One one pastor, he says it like this. he, He says, this means that if you disconnect yourself from the church, you are disconnecting yourself from the power of God. If you disconnect yourself from his people, you are disconnecting yourself from the means in which he accomplishes his miracles. He says, how much, people ask the question, how much should I be involved in church? I've had this debate so many times with Christians who say, you know what, the Bible says I don't have, it doesn't say I have to go to church, right? I can be a Christian and I can get to heaven and not go to church. And the truth is, you can make that argument. You can make that argument, but how much should we be involved in church to the extent that we want God to be involved in our life? You say you don't want to go to church, but you want God to be there for you. The people he's going to use to be there for you, to keep you on track, to keep you from drifting are the people that are in the church. And if you're in the church, you're called to be those people. That same pastor says it, that he wants to even be so bold as to say this, that you have no right to ask God for help if you intentionally separate yourself from that means of help. Whenever When I when I was kind of doing this reading, it took me back to a time, and I think I've told this story before, but there was a time when, when Lauren and I were, college newlywed broke like there's broke but then there's college newlywed broke like it's a whole nother level right and we had no money and we're in South Carolina and I drive her car to worship practice and when I come out I realize that there's a flat tire and I realize that I've let these tires go way too long you can see the thread like it was my fault that the tire was flat right like we should have gone and gotten new tires a long time ago but we walk out and I'm like all bummed and so I'm starting to try to change this tire and the, and the people that are in the church that are on the worship team with me come out and they see it happening. And they actually tell me to move, change the tire for me. We get the the car to our house, which is not that far. One of them volunteers to take Lauren to work the next day. And while we're both at work, they come and get her car and put put used tires on there for us. We had a need in our life that we couldn't fill. And God performed a miracle by providing tires for free through his church. Paul is saying, you're battling cancer? Go to church. You're struggling in your finances? Go to church. You, you need help in your marriage? Go to church. You've got issues in your life? Go to church, be in community, be in God's community, because that's where he is at, the the, the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus Christ, all inside of his people, using his people to accomplish his mission. It's community, it's second base. This is a a plea to, to, to be involved with people. Why do we need community? Because we drift. Why do we need community? Because that's how God accomplishes his mission. So how do we get there? How do we achieve this community? It it makes sense that we need it. But how do we get there? Earlier in Ephesians, that same chapter, going up to verse 12, I don't know if this is on the screen, I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Remember that at the time when you were separated from Christ." Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Before he talks about this community that we just understood where where, where God works, there were people who were excluded from that. They weren't allowed to be a part of it because they weren't Jewish. There was literally, there was a sign, this is when they would go to the temple and worship, and there was a sign on the outside of the temple that said, any Gentile, Anybody who is not Jewish, and you enter beyond this wall, you will have only yourself to blame for your enduring death. See, inside of the temple was considered a holy place where God was. And if you were not part of God's people, to enter in his presence, unclean, would mean death. And so there's this wall that's literally been built to keep people from community right how many of us we build these walls in our own life and for them for them it was this 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 racial tension right it, you were either jew or you weren't and if you weren't jewish then you weren't allowed to be a part of this community but the truth is that when jesus died on the cross there's this huge curtain 3 to 4 inches thick inside this temple that separated the holiest of holies from the rest of the temple. And when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was ripped from top to bottom, giving Jew and Gentile access to the presence of God. The way that we build community is by giving access to people. And, and a lot of us, we build this wall, right? And for some of us, that, th- I just kind of wrote down several reasons why I've built walls or I've seen walls built in our lives, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but, but one of the big things for, that I saw was unforgiveness, right? How many of us, let, think about it relationally. How many of us have been in a relationship with somebody and they broke our heart and they hurt us so bad? And so what do we do? We build up a wall, and we stop letting people in. We don't give them access to protect ourselves, right? We've been hurt, and we don't want to feel that pain anymore. But what we've done is instead of protecting ourselves, we've separated ourselves from the very thing that can help us. We shouldn't remove ourselves from community when we're hurt. We should put ourselves into it. For some of us, the wall that is built is, is based on preference. You see this a lot of times in churches you go to to the old southern baptist church and if if you're from the pulpit and you're preaching you might get a real hearty "Mm," right no no words no amen or anything like that you just get some some good grunts right then if you go to maybe a different denomination you'll get like a amen come on pastor right i had the the privilege of going to an african-american church and they they talk back in like full sentences, like like oh yeah tell them about it pastor, right? yeah oh yeah what did he do going down that river what did he do going down that river right, <laughs> but, they, and so but, but if you look at the church today, those worship preferences have divided the church. People who worship differently don't worship together, and we let things like. Race, political party, style, keep us from giving access to those people. There's a, um, been several studies that if you, if you they put a, some guys on a basketball court, and if they put kind of some uh, African Americans on one side and white people on the other side, and they have people go into the gym and join a team, they naturally go to the, the group that looks like them. Because we naturally go where we feel comfortable. And we naturally want to create community where we feel comfortable. But Paul is saying that we have to break down those walls. And we have to give access. And we have to ask for access into the people's lives that look different than us. That dress different than us. That worship different than us. Community is not about connecting with people that we just feel comfortable with. It's about connecting with people that need Jesus. It's about letting people who know Jesus connect and get access to us and being willing to to listen and learn and let people in. We have to be willing to, to be ourselves and listen to others, to engage in their lives, and to show that we care. That's how we gain access. Hebrews 3, uh, verse 12 and 13. I've got, got it on the board. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you have, may have an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I, wanna, I want us to notice what's happening here. The author of Hebrews is saying that sin is deceitful. It's creeping in. It's drifting, what we've already talked about. It says, but the way we fight it, notice the plurals, the way we fight it is brothers and sisters. It says that brothers and sisters, that none of you, it's kind of difficult because when we look at you, it could be singular or plural, so I'm going to do a southern translation, so that none of y'all have on evil, unbelieving hearts that turns away from the living God. It's a group effort. It's a group effort to keep us from drifting. And it says this, exhort one another. Exhort one another. I love this word because I went in and I kind of looked up this word. It means to to encourage. But more than encourage, it's like a plead. It's a beg. A begging of one another to get out of sin. It's just saying, hey, you are doing this, and it is destroying your life. Hey, you are doing this, and it is destroying your relationships. Listen to me. Step out of that sin. Come into the light. This is a brothers and sisters. This is community and family pleading with one another with urgency and anguish to to leave sin. But the problem is when we build the wall and we avoid this sin, People don't know what's happening. If we don't give access to others, they can't exhort us. They can't encourage us. They can't plead with us to leave sin. And this is this is so true. I mean, think about, it. there's been so many times that Lauren and I have had an argument or something in the car on like the way to church, right? And so we get to church and it's like, okay, deep breath, we're going into church. We need the people to know that we're happy, it's a good day, la-da-da, right? Because we don't want to give people access into our lives. But how can they plead with us? How can we be in true community if we're not letting people in? I had to, um, when I was in school, we had a class where we had to actually preach in front of our classmates. This was extremely difficult because instead of talking to people who are listening to you, you're talking to people who are judging you. The whole time, right? They're taking notes on what you're doing wrong, what you need to do better. And, and I still do it sometimes, but, but I had this bad habit. Of, like, I would talk, and I would literally, I would do this the whole time. Like, I just have so much nervous energy that, that they're preaching, and I'm like, ah, I'm telling my stories, and literally, they took a video of it, and I'm watching it, and I'm getting dizzy the whole time. I never stopped walking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But had I never taken that class, I wouldn't have ever realized it but I had people who I was willing to let in who were able to see something that I couldn't see and they were able to give me direction they were able to encourage exhort and plead with me please stop walking back and forth right and and I became a better communicator because of it when we give people access into our lives they can see things that we can't see And our marriages can improve, our job life can can, can improve, our kids can improve, our churches can improve. We can get better when we let people in. It's all about giving access, exhorting one another, urging strongly, begging and pleading. What we have to understand is that we is greater than me. I think about it, we is greater than me, this is why we started life groups, this is why we meet every week, and listen, if you're not a part of it, come join us, it is so much fun, we laugh, yet we get real, and we talk about each other, and we're vulnerable with each other, and we give each other access, and through that, we're able to improve, we're a- able to better love our children, better love our community, better love our spouse, I've learned so much from it. Because I'm willing to understand that we is greater than me. I'm willing to understand that I can be vulnerable, I can give access to people, and my life improves. Listen, I talked about it earlier, but I'm going to close with it again. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, that curtain was ripped. You are a sinful Stiff necked people. I have no right to communicate with a perfect God. I have no right to be in the presence of an almighty Savior. But God loved us so much. That he paid the price. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin, but he sees the blood of Jesus Christ covering me, making me perfect, giving me access to my creator. Community revolves all around connecting. Starts at home plate. Makes its way back to home, just like every week. Because we can connect with God because of the access that he gave us. Are you willing to mimic that? Are you willing to make sacrifices so that you can get access into other people's lives? Are you willing to make sacrifices so that others can get access into your life? We need community, but it takes hard work and a lot of effort. Are you willing to fight for access? I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for access to you. That we can change, that we can improve, that we don't have to stay stuck in the same routine, drifting into the rocks. But we can always get better and we can always improve because of what you've done for us, because of that access. We need this community, we need each other, and we need you. I pray that we as a, as revived church can continue to grow together and all the while keeping our arms open to accept others into this community. Let us love like you have loved and live like you lived. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.